Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, advocating for you, for your life, for your health, for your business. Welcome new friend, Taria Vision Avant. Taria is a computer science graduate from Hampton University. She is an author of more than 15 plus books. The latest include the 10K book, Don't Go Broke, Trying to Be a Business Owner, and How Not to Be a Broke Author. She has been featured on ABC, Fox, and CBS. She created the Book Profits Club and helped authors promote, profit, and perform. In 2020, Taria was able to also add that title of TEDx speaker to her resume where she was one of the first to ever do a virtual TEDx conference as a speaker. Her goal for this year is to help more than 1,000 authors to generate more than $10,000 per month Woohoo! Yeah, I could I could use that. Returning friend Shauna Lane. Shauna has appeared on Comedy Central, MTV, Sirius XM. She has graced the stages of the New York Comedy Festival, the Ten Thousand Laugh Festival in Minneapolis, the Connecticut Comedy Festival, and the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. She was the co-host of the Gone Girls podcast, which is still available and free on iTunes. And also, Shauna is one of my friends in the struggle of breast cancer. This was her fifth year, and she is, after her five year, yes, cancer-free. So we celebrate her on this episode, and we learn a lot, as this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Please make sure, if you have not, go and set up an appointment and get your mammogram, okay? Do not wait for those. It's very important. Early detection is your best protection. I want to thank all of our listeners of Friends Like Us because of you. We make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's important. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Our Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip, donation. Just go to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to those Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going and also available now for our golden tier friends. You have the option to watch us record live. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available by going to my website. Go to marinafranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, and my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leave reviews. And we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by. Sometimes we even offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows and with friends like us it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands wear your mask still if you want to please get vaccinated get the new booster and black lives matter I have incredible guests here today. Welcome back, Sean Elaine, my friend, my my white friend for the month. Because <laughs> this is a woman of color podcast, but you know, once a month, like us, period. You know what it is, Shauna. Hey, I love you. I love you too. 
And she's also my friend in the struggle, breast cancer survivor. Five years, right? Yes, I just got five years. Oh, my God. Thank God. Oh, congratulations, Shauna. Thank you. And new friend to the show. I'm so excited to have her here. It's an honor. Toria Vision Avant. Welcome to the show, Taria. Yes. Well, thank you very much. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Yes. <laughs> because you wrote a book about how not to be a broke author and don't be don't go broke trying to be a business owner. And also you have helped speakers, which I'm very interested in because I have a speaking engagement as a comedian. I've never done it. So I am so excited to Ooh. talk to you about Ooh. All of this. Nice. So where is it? I know I'm already getting off track, but where's your speaking engagement? My speaking engagement is in Milwaukee. Look, it was almost (laughs) like you had to think about it right now. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because as a comedian, sometimes we go filling in the words till you can remember. Like, okay, (laughs) oh, Milwaukee. You're absolutely right. I was like, did she just say that? And you're like, uh, well, (laughs) because sometimes you get these dates, and then I'm like, where am I? And even as I'm on stage, sometimes I'm like, I'm in. Where am I? (laughs) you know you get all of these dates but i have this speaking event and as a comedian i'm shocked that they even booked me as a speaker Uh like what do you what do you say to that well yeah of course you say yes to that i mean but you're going to use that gift of comedy in your talk so it's funny because I'm like goofy as well when I speak. So I'm really, really goofy. So I just let my personality out. I'm goofy. I could be over the top as well, super aggressive. So I'm just like, don't put me on a panel because people t- tend to not like that. But yeah, you're just going to use your your comedy as a way to connect. What are you What are you talking about? Feminism. Mm. The F word. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come from an angle of... I never thought of myself as a feminist, but then all of the acts and all of my past experience in, in life has spoken to exactly reclaiming that word feminist. Oh my God. I feel like you're totally a feminist. hundred percent. Always. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, okay. maybe not at the very beginning when I first met you, you had that boyfriend. Then should I, not. should I put your audio in there of you saying that? <laughs> Shauna. No, when I first met you and you had that, uh, the, the Haitian boyfriend, that guy, <laughs> maybe then I didn't think maybe you were so much a feminist, but after that, hundred percent, I'm going to talk about that, about how we may not know, but mm. the acts that we do absolutely, you need to own it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. what I'm going to talk about, about the different points of my life when I didn't know and when I had to question it or when I was in doubt of it. Certain experiences that made me feel as a black woman that I wasn't a part of it, mm. of yeah. feminism. Mm-hmm. And I think these are white women. Some make them feel real guilty. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, no, Lord. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the joke, too. <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, do it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, how do you prepare for speaking engagements when you? Well, I'm more of a I wouldn't necessarily call myself of a like a motivational speaker. I'm more of an educator. So I'm teaching. Um, so a lot of times when people do have me come to speak, I teach on something. However, there's still ways that you can still like the way that I prepare, you can prepare for it the same way. Um, 
when somebody comes and, and you got to think about it like this, when somebody comes to hear you speak, they're coming to hear not necessarily about your life, unless, you know, you're like, it's weird. Like they want to hear about the life of people that they already know about, like, you know, celebrities, big celebrities. But when you're, when you're new to the space, they don't really care about your story more so of like, how can you help me? So one of the tips, and this is even with my, my author clients and stuff, I'm always telling them like, pretend like everybody in the audience has a sign on their heads that says like, help, but help me. Like, I hear what you say, but how are you going to help me? So how is that story going to help me? So how can you give me some tips? Or even when you talk about like your story of like, just kind of identifying who you were through this journey in life, how we're always identifying, what are some of the things specifically that you've done to even identify your feminism or your, your beliefs of being in this feminist space, or if you even are, or what you think it is, you know, go against the, go against the status quo, create your own definition. But I always look at an audience as like, yeah, that's cool, but how are you going to help me? And so when you're thinking about how you can help them, you leave them with more value. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. Nice. Yeah. I would Thank love, you. have you ever done a speaking engagement and felt like you were going through a moment of like doubt? Uh, well, I don't know about necessarily doubt because I do like to prepare, but I can be one of those that like, I don't have much of a filter now. I don't mean like a filter, like cousin and stuff. Cause I mean, I just don't really cuss that much unless you piss me off, but I have said some stuff on the stage where I was like, Ooh, <laughs> that didn't go, go quite well right <laughs> and so like that's the only time where I've ever been like in a space where I second guess but ironically I will always still have people come up and say oh my god that was amazing and so what I've come to learn is that in the speaking world like you're not you're not really supposed to be there to appeal to the entire audience you're only supposed to appeal to the people who uh and now without getting biblical but who God assigned you to oh so when you, when you, when you know that, like you stop doubting yourself. So like, I don't doubt myself. Like I was, um, speaking, I just got back from Africa. We were in South Africa, not the, you know, brag or nothing. I'm just saying that's brag, brag on it. I'm international baby. Uh, I was on this panel and I always tell people in advance, I say, you might not want to put me on a panel because like, I'm over the top. Like I'm (laughs) That's great though. That's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good thing. But It might wash out everybody else because I'm not going to dim my light anymore. I used to do that. And so I um, was doing what Taria do, you know, just fired up. I'm excited. I love it. I'm in it. I'm engaged. And now I will tell you this. In a moment, I was like, dang, I wonder if I'm doing too much. But then I had to say, nope, nope, nope. And at the end, guess what? I had people that came up and said, oh, my God, like, I love the way that you talk. I love who you are. Now, I'm sure there were some people who were like, she is a little bit obnoxious. She's too loud, like, you know? And so, yeah, you just got to be confident in that and know that when you are, somebody brought you to come and speak because they want you to help the audience. And so you're not going to help everybody. You're just going to help the ones that you're supposed to, you know? That's right. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Taria, for the first time on my own show, I'm like, I need you just help me. That's Aww. I'm like craving Aww. it. So thank you. That really, go ahead, Shauna. I'm sorry. For no, that. no, that's okay. I was going to ask you when you said uh, going through a moment, did you mean a moment about what you're going to speak about or a moment like meaning you don't want to be there? I just wanted to know what you meant by them having a moment. Who me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because I looked, uh, you know, I know I was going to go 
into the, you, you, Sean, but oh, since we're okay. here, let's no, do it. No, it's interesting. I love it. Um, well, because I know Toria, I looked, I, you know, I did my research and I know that you, you had a moment. Oh, um, I see. And I, I, I'm going to go into that actually about how you turned things around for yourself because it wasn't always happiness. Mm-hmm. So tell, take me back to that moment where it was, because, you know, everyone, I, how do I put this? During the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, a lot of people are going through depression. This is actually, as we're recording this, I believe today is Mental Health Day or something. Is it? It's every, every day is something now. Every, you know, these themes, I'm always confused because I'm like, is Hot Dog Day? <laughs> I was just thinking like, that. I got to know when Hot Dog Day <laughs> is. But I, Blueberries. <laughs> right. Yeah. But. um, Yeah, it's World Mental Health Day. Yeah. So you had a moment like that. Can you take us through it and what took you out of it? Honey, what moment? Because I always have those moments. You know what's crazy? So when you say you had a moment, I know mine, I'm thinking like, well, which moment are you talking about? Because baby, as long as we live and breathe and we have what a thing that's called emotions, I know social media tries to tell you like, don't have emotions or suppress your emotions <laughs> or every, like, or if you or if you got emotions, then your life is whack and you shouldn't be on social media or something like that. But I mean, I have Oh, Lord, I have moments a lot. Now, there's there's times in my life where I've had what are called paradigm shifts. And every single one of us have had them. Shauna, you've had them. I mean, you know what I mean? So it, there's a paradigm shift where like something tragic happens, right? So I can even, let's talk about the pandemic where I... I, I was living in Houston at the time and I literally was like broadcasting probably like every other day just to try to feel sane, you know, and um, I did not go out. I spent a whole year. I don't know where you where are you guys at? New, New York. York. Oh, well, y'all was definitely in a strict location. <laughs> played on games. So New York was like no games played. But in Houston was kind of like Atlanta. I didn't know, though. I didn't know that people were out hanging out in Houston. So I followed the rules. They told me don't go nowhere but to the grocery store. So I did that for a whole year and I felt myself falling into that depression. You know, as people, God didn't give us a sense to touch not to touch people, you know, like you realize how much you need those senses. And so like for that space, that's where I was, I was having a moment. I mean, I don't really know how I attribute it to, to my speaking, but what I will tell you is uh, as a speaker, as a coach, shall we say, or in someone in the space of entrepreneurship, I make it my business to always keep it real. Now there's ways of how you do that, that leave someone inspired versus, you know, make someone feel like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to work with that person (laughs) or have that life. Um, but yeah, the pandemic definitely was a a paradigm shift. I ended up moving back to Atlanta. I hate it. hate living here. Uh Um, Oh, really? Yeah. I don't like living here. I'm I'm moving. Um, is it too many people? No, that's not it. Okay. Okay. Some things going on with it. I won't even get into all of that, but we got into it on the last episode actually there was one right before where we talked about um specifically how there are some wealthy black people in atlanta who have sold some black people out whoa that's a a narrative that i haven't heard quite often but well that i I haven't heard that narrative i've heard that there's some pretend to be wealthy black people in atlanta (laughs) (laughs) a lot of that going on okay Mm -hmm. so a lot of it's a lot it's very uh pretentious out here it's very much so like hollywood but the hollywood of reality tv so everybody's Mm. a reality star it's just i can't take it the energy (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. So you're going back to Houston? Yeah, don't tell nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Except everybody that's listening, right? Yeah, I'm going back to Houston. I I love Houston. Houston is definitely a a great place. But um, yeah, so I like to talk about when I've gone through something. So I think as a speaker, that's what makes you an amazing speaker. What was that comedian that just recently had that show where he came out as uh, being gay? Gerard Carmichael. Gerard Carmichael. Yes. Yeah. I've never seen a stand up like that. And I didn't even know who this dude was, but I watched it and it gave, I, I, he gained a fan just because of how vulnerable he was. I think that makes really good speakers. When you go through those moments, maybe not necessarily while you're in that downward spiral, but when you're coming, you're seeing yourself surface back up, being able yes. to have conversations about that is truly, I believe that's, that's the point of being a speaker and, you know, sharing your story, sharing your journey and, and helping other people. So I, I definitely love talking about uh, my situations. Not that everybody, some people are like, girl, you better stop telling everybody. <laughs> well, it's the thing that stood out to me the most when I did my research about you because of, it says here around 2014, 2015, you fell into a deep depression mm-hmm. and I that did. was before and from, you know, relationships being damaged to, you know, losing the love of your life. And there was uh-huh. just so much going on yeah. and it oh, got no. bad. Mm. It was like on back on back on back. Like I had... And I think all of us can probably pinpoint areas in our life where it seemed like, God dang, I can't take another thing. Um, Yeah, it was it was a lot. Uh, That was the moment. I'm going to tell you guys. So that was a that's a deep moment. And I talk about it a lot. In fact, at the time I was in this home based business, you know, like Mary Kay and stuff like that. I was in a company like that. And we were having our international convention in Las Vegas. And um, at one time I used to not really be able to share this, but now I share it because it's so incredible where I am today. But sometimes I still get emotional just to think that I was considering it. So I was in the hotel. I had hit one of these levels of this company where we were supposed, you know, they tell you once you hit this level, (laughs) you're free forever, right? Not true. So I had hit the level. Income was not where they told me it would be like dropped all the way back. The, the person that I thought would, was my soulmate, five, 10 other people thought he was too. My, my good girlfriend passed away from uh, breast cancer, but it was because she didn't, uh-huh. she didn't, she didn't, she didn't get detected. Like she had been found the lump, but never went to go. So early detection is, is definitely important guys. I'm to the point where I'm, I'd be like, Oh, need to go. I don't even know what mm-hmm. this is. Right. So um, she passed away and we hadn't talked because I was so busy building this business that I didn't have time to be talking to nobody who was not doing the business, family included. And so my grandmother passed away as well. And I took a lot of blame on that because she'd always would tell me, oh, you're not used too busy to come see me. You know how, you know, all of this. So it's literally all these things stacking on me. And I was in the hotel and um, uh, I am a numbers person. So I'm searching ways that you can like take your life where it's not going to be painful and it's guaranteed. And so pills, they said 99% of most people that take pills, it does not work. So I was like, ooh, well, I don't want to do that. And then now all of a sudden I'm the crazy girl, right? So I was like, that's not going to work. Then you could definitely jump off of a building. Now what's crazy is I love living high, but I'm afraid of heights. So even when I go on the patio of where I stay now, my knees get weak. There's no way I'm jumping off of a building. That's just not going to happen. So then 
you know, I remember watching video, like it was bad. Y'all. I was watching videos of people that took handguns and I was like, oh man, I've been, got scared and just shoot up my ear or something. So I, I remember at that moment really praying and asking God, well, listen, if you're going to make me afraid to take my life, I need to have a reason to be here. Like, cause this ain't it. Like I am not where I want to be. I'm not happy. And, and, you know, you would think that, you know, making a certain amount of income, having the certain house and the cars and all those things that would make things perfect. But we've seen celebrities, you know, take their lives as well. Yes. And so, um, that was the moment where, um, I was, I was given a bit of a vision and I decided to get into this coaching space. And I love sharing that story because at that moment, looking from the outside in, everybody thought everything was just great and perfect because I was good at wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, I was good at putting on the makeup and putting on a smile and throw on some shoes, some shoes and jewelry and, and pretend. And uh, that's what social media looks like to me. So this is why I don't, I don't live in that world where I want to, you know, post to look good. But yeah, man, he kept me. Um, I did a YouTube video on this. It's crazy too, guys, because if you go look at the YouTube video, I haven't looked at it in years. Um, if you go like search my name and put depression, it's like hundred plus thousand views or whatever. So many kids mm. were commenting. So many kids. Oof. Mm. And it's because of the social media world, man. They just look at all this perfectionism mm-hmm. and everything's, yeah. everybody's life is great. And you, you know, or, you know, then you got the kids that are showing all their showings and mm-hmm. doing all their doings. And so I think it's a responsibility for me to just continue to stay, you know, truthful. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, but I've had a lot of moments in my life where it wasn't never that bad, but I've had different pivotal moments in my life where I love to talk about, um, with the hope of even if it helps one one person. So I think it's just like as Stace is commenting in the chat, she says, and I and I agree with her. She says, I really appreciate Taria sharing your personal experience. Thank you for your vul- vulnerability and candor. And it's going to help so many people because I think it's important that while we talk about the successes, that we also talk about the struggles. So the it's it's just so human. I love what you're doing now, but I think everyone needs to know how you came up, pulled yourself out, out of it. And I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Oh, well, thank you for hearing. Thank you for receiving mm-hmm. and hearing. I appreciate it as well. And since you brought up a very important point about breast cancer, this would be a, a perfect moment to, you know, Shauna, to bring you in about what it feels like to be five years cancer free mm-hmm. uh it feels good i held my breath for a long time to get to that point my my doctor i wasn't sure if i started counting the 5 years when i finished treatment which i finished treatment in 2019 but my surgery was in on september 25th 2017 and they got the cancer out at that point but it was bad so i did 14 months of treatment and they said you start counting from when it gets out so yeah i'm 5 years i'm so i'm so relieved i have my 6 month checkup tomorrow mm. so you know i'm i'm holding my breath for that because it's just, I don't know. It never, I'm so relieved to get to the five-year mark because it's a, um, it's such a milestone, but I also, I'm definitely not like, whatever, I'm good. It doesn't matter. Like I can't ever forget that that happened. And I Mm -hmm. just, it's a huge part of my 
the way I've changed my life is because of cancer, you know? And I did when I, when I got cancer, I talked to a lot of women all over the country and some of them, it came back. Some of them, it came back after 25 years. And I was like, oh, you know, and mostly they didn't change much, really. They didn't change anything. And then it came back. So I'm just always working on um, changing, you know, growing as far away from whatever possibly caused the breast cancer as I can. Yeah, I see your post all the time. You're vegan? No, I'm definitely not vegan. I'll, I'll tell you why I just post pictures of vegetables, because it's so hard to take pictures of meat. <laughs> it, it, meat looks ugly in pictures. <laughs> um, it so does, it, it does. It looks terrible. And I like to take close up pictures. So um, I do eat, I eat tons of vegetables now. I mean, I, I, my diet used to consist of dollar pizza and muffins. I mean, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, that's mostly what I ate. Dollar pizza and muffins. When I hear someone talking about box pizza, I have a trigger. It's like a trigger. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like, like uh, my friend just stored up on box pizza and I'm like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> So uh, my diet's like 85% better. You know, I, ex- I go outside, exercise all the time. Um, it's just, every, I'm, I meditate. Now I'm doing Buddhist meditations because they're so simple. They're just like, breathe in, breathe out, enjoy, you're present. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm just here, I'm present. It's, I have a lot of issues. So I had a lot of issues. You know, I work really hard on myself and all of it is so that I stay clean and healthy. And I'm, you know, it's coming out for me. The ripple effects of what's coming out from me is positive because it wasn't before, you know, and that cancer was such a slap in the face and I had gotten sober. So, I mean, you knew me when I was yes. drinking. I was a, I was a hot mess, you know, like I was really a hot mess. And uh, I, I had gotten sober. And then when I got the cancer, I was like, oh my God, this is, um, you know, I just, uh, I was not, I was still not okay. You know, and I was like, there's, you know, you, you said about um, the, the paradigm shifts. Mm-hmm. And I think of it like tectonic shift, plate shifts. You know, that's what was happening. Like the the tectonic plates were like, boop. And I was like, oh my God, okay, I got to do something. So um, yeah, did I answer, answer I love to hear that though. You got into action mode. My father uh, was diagnosed with cancer and he got into acceptance. Mm. Like he just accepted the diagnosis. And th- oh. I just remember looking at him like, yo, so you're not going to try to do nothing? Well, no, this is what the doctor said to do. I was so... Oh. I was so disappointed. I remember um, when I found out he had stage four lung cancer. He was a big, he was a big cigar smoker and cigarette smoker. And um, when I found out, so I went into action mode. So I started researching. I found a woman that had stage four lung cancer. They removed her lung, some of her, like a lot, large majority of her lungs. I talked to her on the phone and everything. I remember having a conversation with her and just telling her. And I was like, well, we need to get my dad right. But I remember going to talk to him and he was just like, I mean, well, this is what the doctor said to do. And I hate when people allow mm-hmm. 
somebody who is not technically in control of your life to dictate what you're going to do. So I love hearing that you said, you know what? I shifted. I made a decision. I got into action mode because there's a lot of people who don't. They just hear it and they're like, well, this is what it is. I well, Shauna helped me a lot too because mm -hmm. I also had breast cancer and um, was, I guess I finished treatment right before the pandemic in 2020. 20. And Shauna, you know, you have to have friends. I, I do on stage as a joke. As a black woman, I bring my white friend into the room with me to advocate. For this. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh I saw a picture of you guys too. Y'all posted a picture. I think I saw that picture. Yes. Well, <laughs> I have a few friends. You know, I have another friend that we're actually we're going on a trip to uh, Vermont together. It's a lot of women. I mean, I have, I think I would say on stage, I used to say on stage, I have, I think it's like 10 friends with breast, close friends with breast mm -hmm. cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's insane. That's insane. But, you know, they helped me so much. And Shauna, because she was so, thank you for mm -hmm. sharing your story as well as telling me, just question your doctor about the tamoxifen. I remember that mm -hmm. was a choice that they gave me because I was stage stage one. It was too early of a stage to really go into such an extreme hormonal medication. And mm -hmm. there's a test that you can take that can let you know the whether Anka or not test. you need to. The Oncotype test. Yeah. Is a, it's called Oncotype score for certain breast cancer that will let you know if, whether or not you have to do chemo or not. Mm. And you know, some women do choose to still do chemo, which is fine. It's just I chose not to because my score was low and I did radiation. And then they offered the tamoxifen and Shauna told me about that drug. And then I listened to all of my friends tell me about that drug and mm. what it did to them. Ugh. And it's not for everyone. It was for one of my friends. She said it was fine. Every Everyone's different. Mm. But I listened to Shauna. You could talk to that. I tried it for three weeks and I wanted to murder like everybody. Like literally I went to the hospital and I was like, I'm homicidal. Like, and they were like, Oh, that that's not going to work. If you're homicidal, like in the whole, <laughs> the whole three weeks leading up to it, I was like, I don't feel right. I don't feel good. This isn't working. And I could feel it like rising up through my body, like the psychosis. Like I was just like getting crazier and crazier. And finally it was like in my head. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm gonna, I'm going to murder that nice lady that lives next to me. She just said, good morning. And I was like, Bleh. and uh, so they were like, yeah, oh, if you're, you know, if you're homicidal. Yeah. And then I went off of it and they were like, yeah, that, that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. And I was like, um, okay. How is right. that? And, and then I talked to a bunch of people who took that and other versions of that aromatase inhibitors, the estrogen. Remedex, the the, the estrogen blockers. And I, I would say 90% of them felt horrendous, had horrible side effects. Some of them were like, I'm still detoxing from it 10 years later. And I was like, you know what? This is not going to work for me because I have mental health problems. And if something I'm taking to make my body healthier is making me want to shoot my neighbor, like I'm, I don't have a gun, just to be clear. Um, I, 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 that's not going to work for me. Like I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to be healthy. So that's part of why I also, um, because I do think some of the medications that they offer are 
an added insurance for women, you know, to be, stay cancer free, but that isn't going to work for me. So I, you know, I eat vegetables and I grow stuff and cook everything. You know, I do, I'm doing everything else I can possibly do. And, and yeah. I think it's important to mention that you consulted with your doctor about your choices. Like, oh, I tell them all everything. All, mm-hmm. all of my doctors were all on the same page. My, I have a holistic doctor. I have my Eastern, Western. They're all on the same page. They all know everything that I'm doing. I'm very upfront because I believe in all the modalities. I believe in yeah. the, the holistic, you know, the whole thing, not just one or the other. And I'm not lying to anybody about anything. These are the choices that I'm making. They're not easy to make. I'm making as informed a decision as I can make. And I'm always open to changing my mind if, mm. you know, if need be. Thank you, Shauna. Oh, welcome. It's not easy. It's not easy to make a decision that's right for you. You know, and just like you said about your dad, you, 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 no one can make your decisions for you. You, You're, you're in your body. There's certain things that even we can't even know why, why we're like, "Mm, that's not going to work. Like someone who you like, you're like, I love that person. Nobody else loves them. I don't know why, but I think they're great. And other people, everyone loves them. And you're like, there's something not right with that person. I don't know. Mm." You know, so yeah. So the U.S. breast cancer death rate dropped 43% in three decades, but racial disparities remain. American Cancer Society report finds that the study published this week finds that in total, the translating, so it, it dropped by 43% from 1989 to 2020, translating to 460,000 fewer breast cancer deaths during that time when the data was analyzed by race which they always do because they like to point out what black people are doing constantly, nonstop. They Mm -hmm. always want to see, sorry, I just can't. (laughs) But they're always like, what are black people doing? Um, (laughs) It's it's like amazing. There's like COVID, but what are black people doing? Black women had a lower incidence rate of breast cancer versus white women, but the death rate was 40% higher in black women overall. To eliminate racial disparities among cancer patients, Seichert, who is in the study, ensuring that black women have the same access to hospitals, breast cancer screenings, and adequate treatment as white women do. It's really interesting as I read these articles, you got to be careful when you read them because a lot of times even the way they write is (laughs) offensive Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. When they say black women have stronger types of cancer. That's not accurate. It's about why are black women dying from breast cancers? Because when they walk into that office, does your doctor believe you when you Mm -hmm. say, I feel something, I feel pain. Mm -hmm. So you have a right as a patient to say, no, I need you to answer this question for me. And if they don't answer that question for you, you can ask them their success rate. If they if they mm-hmm. at any point pause at answering that question, get a new doctor. You have every right. Mm-hmm. And if you are a family member to someone who has breast cancer, go into the room with them, especially as a black woman. Bring someone, bring a white friend. Yeah, and a, no- <laughs> in the room and a notebook you. and a pen. Ask all yeah. your questions, have them write them down the answers. And you can get a second opinion and a third opinion you can and I record I used to record the doctors I would tell them I'm recording and they would say yes it's okay and it's amazing how much I 
didn't hear because I'm dealing with trauma, right? I'm in panic mode listening. Mm -hmm. Panic mode listening does that allow you to listen accurately. Mm -hmm. So record, and I recorded the doctor saying something that I completely disagreed with and that even my friends were disagreeing. Remember the first doctor I went to Mm -hmm. said that he didn't do, I forgot, it was when you get a lumpectomy, there's certain types of surgery you can get that one was more up to date and he wasn't trying to do that. And it was completely dispelled by my other doctor. So record if you want, bring a friend in, but definitely early detection. I say it on stage all the time. Early detection is your best protection, specifically as black women. Do not hesitate no matter how old you are. If you have a family member that had breast cancer, tell that to your doctor mm-hmm. and they will treat you as if you could have breast cancer. I say lie. <laughs> If you have to get that mammogram in early, get it in. And really important if you have dense breast tissue, super important. Mammograms don't show everything. You have to get an ultrasound, sonogram, you know, of you because mine was not discovered in a mammogram. So you have to do that. And the number of times I had to remind them that I had dense breast tissue when they just wanted to do a mammogram, even after I had breast cancer, I had to fight nonstop with the nurses with the, to get them to do it for me. So when I say as a black woman, when you go in there, it's war. You have to really advocate because we have to get these numbers. The death rate was 40% higher in black women overall. We got to get that number down. Yep. So... Marina, when are you going to be five years out? Uh, when I stop talking about it in my act, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see, two, I'm three years, so four years next, this year. And then, so yeah, 2020, was it 2024? 20, yeah. 2023, right? 2023. It, yeah. Yes, the Christmas of 2023. Okay, yes. okay. And even then, like you said, you you know, you just never know. So I try, I changed my diet too. I, 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 I try to be a vegan, but it's difficult. I have chicken on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> She's Taria. Uh, I, I'm like, why would, why would he make meat so good if we weren't supposed to eat it? It is Can't good. Help it. I love meat. Yeah. I don't eat it all though, but I'm trying to do better myself, but I'm glad. And, and I'm with you guys on that too. I, um, listen, I, I've had my grandmother, uh, she had cancer. I never met her. Uh, she passed from breast cancer. And then I had on my, that was on my mother's side. And on my aunt, my dad's side, I had an aunt who also had breast cancer. And so, honey, listen, I'd be like, ultrasound me up, do everything. Mammogram. I mean, I think I got my first mammogram. <laughs> When I was like, what, 36, 35, 36, I was like, uh-uh, I need to go get it up because like I've been, I've experienced it way too many times with girlfriends of mine. You know, unfortunately I had a, a friend of mine who also had it as well, but she waited forever. So me, I don't play those games. If I feel something ain't right, you know, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Or I feel it in, uh-uh, we got to get it checked out, so. Did you get the genetic testing, Taria? I didn't. I know somebody was somebody was actually recently telling me about this genetic test because it'll test not just for cancer, but also like other yeah, all of ailments, them. right? Yeah. So maybe I should definitely get, get that checked out. Because with the genetic testing, then won't it give you like some things that you can also do? Yeah. Um, and with it, prevention. 
Yeah. And since it's, you have it in your um, family history, your health insurance will cover it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, I got to double check. Y'all know I got one of the, uh, them insurances for uh, home business owners. (laughs) It will though. It will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good, 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 good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will definitely check into that for sure. Yeah. Check it always. It's a lot of work. Um, like Stace is saying here about dense breast tissue, the Affordable Care Act only covers a regular 2D mammogram. Two thirds of women have dense tissue and have to pay for an ultrasound or 3D imaging. So yes, but if you have a family history, important to know how much it covers. And you do want to research what type of health insurance is best for you. Believe it or not, Medicaid when when you have breast cancer was more helpful than some of the best health insurance out there and i was struggling at the time and while i had breast cancer i had to do all this work of figuring it out it's it is nonstop. so if you're listening to this do the work now get it get do the work while you're young do it now get ahead of it so these inequities are largely underpinned by less access like i said to high quality health care across the cancer continuum from prevention to treatment because of long-standing systemic racism and it impacts on the social detriments of health such as health insurance coverage and screening and yeah so do that work mm-hmm. now and that, by the way okay. do you want to tell them what dense breast tissue is because when they told me I had dense breasts, I thought it was a compliment. Like I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) I have firm breasts. Thank you. (laughs) That's literally what I thought. I thought they meant I had perky boobs. Like, so it's when you have like a lot of, you have a lot of stuff in your boobs, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're dense. They're hard to see through. It's hard to, it's hard to figure out what's going on in there. That's why it's important if you have breasts like that, for you to get the imaging because it stuff hides in there. That's what happened to me. The breast cancer was hiding. You could not feel it at all. And there was a lot in there. And, and they took a huge chunk out of my boob and it was all, that whole chunk almost had stuff in it and you couldn't feel any of it. You almost couldn't see a lot of it on, they, they couldn't even, the reason why they took out such a big chunk was because between the MRI the ultrasound and the mammograms, they couldn't quite figure out what was even in there. So they just took a risk and took out that big of a chunk that I agreed to. Um, And, you know, I would have again, but I'm glad I didn't really know because I would have been like, no, I'm good. I don't need that. (laughs) And bring a translator if you speak different, if you have parents that speak Spanish. That's why I saw numerous Spanish speaking patients that I was so concerned about. Think about, you you know, advocating for yourself in a different language when you're not really understanding. And when I tell you that the doctors, they're just going through their workday. They're not, it's not personal for them. Some of them will, but some of them will treat you just like a number. So it, you know, they don't take it personal, but you take it personal and go in there and fight like it means everything to you. Now, we're going to move on to the barriers to black entrepreneurship. Were there any barriers for you, Toria, as starting out? Because hmm. it says only 2% of businesses with employees. Look, all this is all negative on us. Only 2% of businesses with employees are black owned, which has played a large part in the widening wealth gap in the United States. Black households make up nearly 16% of the U.S. population, but hold just under 3% of all wealth. Yeah. Which makes sense. You know why it makes sense? Because, well, first of all, 
Um, <laughs> I have so many different ideologies about our culture. Um, first, one of the things I think that keeps us from generating wealth is because we're not, and I, and I try to give grace because we're not extremely removed, too far removed from slavery. So with that stated, we are now getting into a position where in our culture, we actually have people who are in a space of not just having money that will pay bills, but actually having some passive income to invest, right? This is like, our first time, if you think about it, where we have more people getting into that space to be able to invest, to actually grow their the future of their family's wealth, right? Um, many other people have been taught and they've been taught at a young age how to be able to position yourself, or at least that's the assumption, right? I know for me, I've never had conversations. I never had conversations with my parents about money, um, investing, um, spending, insurance, those were not conversations. The only thing we talked about was you need to get good grades so you can get a decent job, right? So you can have a good job, but not what to do with the money. So first thing is I like to say that, you know, we got to have grace for each other. And then we're also in a space where this is the first time we can prove that we're successful. So our culture is very big on spending. While yes, we make up less than 3% of the wealth. How much do we make up in, 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 the, in the spending? Because I don't even know what that number is, but I know it's a lot. I know out here in Atlanta, everybody got a Lamborghini truck and them things is $250,000. One day, a lot of you guys not. I was in, uh, I was driving around in the, um, in the city and I literally saw like six of these Lamborghini trucks, all black people from the Rolls Royce trucks to the Lamborghini trucks. It's like everybody is driving these $300,000 cars. And I'm like, what, what kind of money is like, what's, and so, but where does that come from? It comes from a culture where it's now we're making some money and we have to prove it to people. Right. And I think there's going to become a time and I'm seeing a shift in it where that's not going to be as important, right? So again, we're not too far removed from all these things. So once we start having an awareness that it's not the things that make you wealthy, it's the investing into yourself, it's the education, it's the teaching our children's children, I think that will shift for us. Some of the barriers for me, like for, for example, I didn't realize that as a black woman doing business, getting certifications that are not as difficult as we think they may be, because I'm now working on that. I've been bootstrapping for since what? I mean, 10 plus years. The first 10 years I was an entrepreneur. I, I wasn't really an entrepreneur. I was like a tripreneur. I was just trying everything and quitting. But literally over the past 10 years, I've been straight up doing it all by myself with no assistance. But do y'all know you can go apply for certain certifications and now get funded like the government will give you money. But we don't know these things like I mean, I remember I used to be so afraid of just an EIN. Do you know how easy it is to get an EIN? But do you mm -hmm. know that there are people who charge us to go get EINs because we don't know what we don't know? So I think the biggest barrier is not understanding how powerful it is to be a woman in business, how powerful it is to be a black woman in business, and how the government will make things available for us if we only just learn how to do it. Sit down and learn how to do it. I wish I would have known about many of these. I mean, I literally help people write books. They say I can get government grants to help people in the government write books. I'm like, shut up. They're like, yeah, the government pay for everything. Anything that's in the, on the military base and all of that is government grants. That's all I'll say, lack of information. And then being in a society where the, the thing that we praise is not, is, is, is something that is only short term. And that's the materialistic stuff. That's right. Yeah. Um, I, I always been that girl, though. I didn't really care about stuff like that. 
Um, when I was younger, my father did instill into me in, in having quality stuff, but it was never a thing of like labels and, you know, things of that nature. I just never been that girl. Now, my problem is technology. So I like gadgets, but that's not a bad thing because, you know, these gadgets help me make more money. <laughs> so that's not bad. But yeah, that's that would probably too. be my yeah. biggest barrier. I would say just not having a lack of information. But, you know, once you become an adult, whose responsibility is it? So I can't blame my parents anymore. Grow up, you know? You have to grow yeah, I up. Think the listeners know, and Stace knows, my uncle actually said that to me. He apologized for not showing me how to do proper investment. Um, and he said, I feel like it's my job in the family to show you how I've been investing in stocks, even though it's a crazy time right now. But I always say, if you're a new investor, this is a perfect time for you to get in because uh, the prices are really low. If you're an old investor, you're probably losing money. But if you're a new investor, the entry point into some of these stocks are mm. so cheap that you're going to make money when it rebounds. Go ahead, Shauna. Sorry. What is the certificate that you got that allowed you to get grants? You talking about me? Taria, yeah. Oh, I haven't gotten them yet. I'm just now learning all this stuff. I've been at, do you know I've been in business? Uh, I've been, how do you say it when you're profitable and uh, as an entrepreneur? Cause you know, you say gainfully employed, is it gainfully business whatever. So I've been a profitable entrepreneur since what, 2012 ish. But from now and from then until now, literally guys, I've done it all like by myself. I didn't know about these different organizations. Yeah. So I'm, I'm literally sitting down with this young lady that's like, yeah, you could be uh, qualified as a women business owner, as well as a black business owner. And that allows you the opportunity opportunity to pitch for for government funding. Yeah. I know it's called women business owner something or it's like woman business owner certificate something like that. And while the applications are detailed, it's you only got to do it one time. So it's like just learn how to do it. And um but you know, at what point do we take responsibility though? So I I like that your uncle said he feels like, you know, he should have taught it, but we're now adults. So we have to as adults guys like if if he's no respecter of one and he's getting, I got a lady right now, government contract, she's getting 20, 30, 40, $50,000 for contracts, like just getting paid. So if he'll do it for her, then he's going to do it for us too. We just got to stop using the excuse of, well, I just don't know how to do it. Just like you guys talked about educating yourself. Okay. We're just going to rely upon just what one doctor tells us, or are we going to know, do we want to live? So we have to do what we have to do. And I think that in our culture, we're very used to being in a space of blaming. Um, we're very used to being in a space of just uh, getting by. I mean, think about it. You ever ask your, aunt, your auntie, your uncle, your grandma, hey, how you doing today? What they say? Oh, I'm getting by. Why do we talk? That's lack. <laughs> so getting <true>. by. That <laughs> doesn't, does that sound exciting? It, it, the Lord sees fit. Why do we talk like this, right? We have to talk abundant. Uh, somebody asked me how I'm doing. I'm doing amazing. Incredible. Oh, I woke up today. I could change a life today. You know, I don't talk. I don't talk lack. I don't talk mediocre. I don't talk, uh, you know, but this is all through me having to make a decision that I don't want to be where my parents left this world. You know, now, Shauna, you have to go in a little bit. So you had some questions, right? Oh, I did. I have so <laughs> many questions. I mean, okay. we have four minutes, so it's never okay. <laughs> I'll just ask them and you can answer them after I leave, actually. Thank you, by the way. I wrote that down. Women business owner certification. I'm going to look that up um, because I just started a tutoring business in April 
Yeah. And I've, I finally remembered after 20 plus years of struggling, waiting tables that I had a education degree and I know, I know mental problems. Okay. And then I went back last fall and got certified to tutor and I've been educating myself. I've been doing exactly what you said. I just started learning how to do stuff. I was like, I can learn things. I forgot that I could do that. So I'm curious about, uh, for your business, businesses in general about contracts letters of agreement. Uh, I mean, sorry, codes of for behavior um, agreements. I mean, I'm working with kids. So that's why I'm I, and I work privately with kids. And I'm realizing that, you know, some kids are like, everyone learns differently. So it's not that uh, and I'm, I'm fine with, you know, a kid needing some kids need to take breaks like every five minutes. That's just how they work. Some kids need to walk around in circles. Fine with that. I, I'm not fine with things getting thrown across the room. That's not going to work for me. So I'm realizing I need letters of agreement between, you know, about payment, types of payment, what I accept when I want to be paid, what I expect in a session, what they expect from me, what, you know, what all, all the things I, I I just, I, I need to have those things and it's hard to do. I'm like a people pleaser and I just want people to like me. And that is not going to help in this. And I need to do it now because it's never going to get any easier than at the beginning of this. So uh, is that your question? Yeah, like I said, it was. Well, like I kind of got. A, I kind of got an idea of what I would want to say to that because I don't. I don't have an expertise in all of those things, um, especially with kids. I don't. First of all, kids terrified me. Right when I was like I worked with kids before, because kids, you know, tell you what they really are thinking. Right? Oh uh, yeah, they're they're so but, present. It's amazing. Right. So, but I love it. I actually love it. I always say, watch a kid. If you want to, if you want to know what it means to dream, go watch kids. But now let, let's. What I can talk to you about is. Um, structure and payments, right? Getting paid, right? People pay for an outcome. So, or if you want to keep someone for a long period of time, they're paying for a specific outcome, right? So if a, if a, if a parent is paying you to tutor their child, they're looking for something specific. And what we don't want to do, and this is what I teach a lot of individuals that get into like the coaching consulting space is you don't want to be known for trying to like help them with all types of stuff, right? So maybe you have a specific thing and or a specific age range that you want to work with because you want to help them to get right on track as far as studying. Maybe they have ID, well, I call it IDD and ADHD or ADD. IDD is inspired deficit disorder. Yeah, I, love I make up my own diagnosis <laughs> because think about it. They all been made up anyways. Like everything was made up. So somebody made up ADHD. So I'm gonna call it IDD. So let's say you have children that struggle with that. And this is how you are able to charge more money because you're very niched in a space, right? So you might help kids that struggle with ADHD or ADD, right, in school, and you show them how to be more focused so that then eventually they can be able to get the best grades, which lead to scholarship, right? So you you have a specific curriculum that says during this, this tutor program, these are the specific things that we're going to go over. You don't do them all in one month though. So like one or however long the program is going to be, maybe you create um, like a, it, it could be like a three month program and every quarter they can renew if they wish or quarterly. Right. And so in these three months, these are the things month one, I'm going to teach them 
when they when they feel themselves going off of off of a target or feel themselves going off into a different world, how to get readjusted to get back on track. Right. And and let them know that that's normal. Like it's OK within your space, because I know me, I can I, shoot this. This is why I have my window down right here, because when I'm interviewing, I can see a car go by and I will literally be like, oh, look, it's a card. And I get thrown off. I'm like, what was I talking about? And so these are small little techniques that you could specialize in. And so now the parent is not just saying, oh, I'm just dropping them off with you so you can do whatever. I don't even know what you're doing. You got to make sure that they know like this, this is the actual transformation that they're going to receive, right? This makes you, this is makes you more valuable in the marketplace. And this also gets people to want to seek you out, right? So you want to create like a curriculum that talks about the specific transformation and you'll find that more people will be open to wanting to invest into that versus just something that's generic, right? Um, And then, yes. So what I do is like I use um, for payments, like especially high ticket payments. I use a software. It's called um, FreshBooks. It's like QuickBooks, but it's better. Oh, I'm using it. And it's cheaper. I actually, I have to, go i see that okay shauna tell our listeners where they can that's okay i'm going to continue with her answering your question but tell our listeners where they can find you okay you can find me at uh shaunalane.com the shaunalane on twitter and i'm lane shauna on instagram and also i'm at terracotta tutoring that's the name of my tutoring company a place to grow and with friends like us you can get your breasts checked you can check your own breasts and you can go and get your breasts checked you can do it Thank you, Shauna. Thank you for having me on. Nice to meet you, Taria. Love you. So nice to meet you you too, Shauna. Bye. Bye. We're going to continue, Taria. Yes, darling. So yeah, so the the key to getting people to pay is they got to see something from it, right? It's funny too, because you know, people don't know that they're getting transformation unless you like point it out. So they'll be like, oh, shoot, I did learn how to do it. Okay, let me let me pay another month. You know what I'm saying? So I could get more of that. So I think when it comes to anything where you are using intellectual property, that's your information that you know how to do. You got to show people what the, what the progression is going to look like. Um, and then I use, like I was t- saying, I use a software called FreshBooks and FreshBooks. It also then allows you to add additional notes to send contracts um, so that people have a, an expectation and understanding of what it is that, this process is going to look like and what the commitment's going to look like. So that has helped me. I don't really ever have a lot of people that cancel unless it's just financial like reasons, but out of like, because they don't love it. We've never had that situation. Uh, Cause I make sure upfront, you know, this is what you're going to receive as a result of either you or your child or whoever it is plugging in um, to the trainings. Amazing. Now let's get into how not to be a broke author. I would love to write a book as a comedian, but a lot of times I feel like because I'm not like, maybe I don't have a show on TV or something. Maybe I shouldn't like, I should just go into like, what do I start writing on in word perfect? (laughs) (laughs) How do I not go broke? Uh, Okay. Well, first of all, the reason why authors the statistics because you like numbers right so statistically or or based on the numbers 80 percent of most authors they never make any real money 80 percent and we're talking about this is not just authors that are self-published i'm talking about even published authors that have gone through a publishing company they're not making any money and the reason why many authors don't make money is because well let me ask you a question 
when you think about writing a book, what is it that you think about? What do you want to write about? What do you think that you should write about? My life. That's what everybody says. But this is the deal. <laughs> everybody got a story to tell, right? Yes. All of us. Nobody cares about your story, though. And oh. I know that sounds harsh. Like, oh, Taria, why would you say that? Remember no, I what I told it. you, right? People are in the audience like, okay, I heard what you said, but help me. Everybody cares about their own story. So when you are in a space where you're trying to develop the following, develop the ear, right? Or, you know, create the, the, the opportunity for people to listen. They want to know, but I need to know how to overcome this particular thing. So for example, breast cancer, you talk about breast cancer, and this is something that you're connected to, but you're also a comedian. There's a way that you can connect comedy to breast cancer and create a book centered around that to make it humorous, right? Even if it's hey, I want to help other women who are currently going through it. And let me create a story of silly, like a book of silly, silly stories or funny things that you can do to make you laugh. I think one of the things, like even when I wrote a book about overcoming depression and in that I talked about like watch stuff that makes you laugh. So I remember when I was going through depression, I would literally go on YouTube. You could, I think they're still there. I love prank calls, you know, like when people record themselves doing prank calls, it's the funniest thing to me. Cause I just don't know. Like I always, I would like pray. I'm like, I wish somebody would prank call me and see how I would act. Cause these people just stay on the phone. It was so funny. So I literally would listen to prank calls well, guess what? I talked about it in my book. So you might say, well, what are some ways that you can cope with breast cancer? And now this puts you in a position where you are an expert and you're talking about the things that you actually did. So people are not really looking for a life story of someone unless they already know the life story. of. It's the weirdest thing. Like I always say, the, the time you write your life stories, when you walk into a room of like 5,000 people and literally everybody knows who you are. That's when they'll buy your book about your life. Okay. Right? Yeah, I have like 20,000 on Instagram. Is that? <laughs> no, that doesn't care. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm talking about you walk in a room walk with 5,000. They say, right. oh my God. Right. There she yes. is. Until then, the book that you write is based on how to go from A to B. Okay. By the way, as long as you're living, that means you still have more story to tell. So why would you write a story about your life when your life is not even over? That's right. Right? You know what somebody right now is looking up though? How, how can I still be a comedian and battling breast cancer? Wow. How can I find a support group of other women who are dealing with life situations, right? Yeah. How can I as a Black woman get into the space, even if you don't want to talk about breast cancer, how can I as a black woman get into the space of comedy? How to tell my first joke. Now, in that process of talking about a specific step from A to B, or a specific transformation, you still share your story in the book. So like, this is my very first book. It's called A Six Figure Vision, right? So um, it used to be called A Vision to Freedom. This is still to this day, one of my favorites because it was my first, right? In the book, I talk about mentorship. I talk about goal setting. I talk about multiple streams of income. I even have a chapter I talk about overcoming fears. But guess what? In order for me to talk about a thing, I also have to share a story of how I was able to overcome those things, right? right so yeah. you still tell your story, but you frame it in a way where somebody is like, okay, how is this going to help me? One of the things I always teach as well is if they're, Goog if they're Googling it, they will pay for it. 
So right now, what is someone Googling that you know how to do? Not their whole, they're not Googling the life story of Taria Vine, not yet, but they are saying, well, how do you overcome a breakup or how I thought he was my soulmate. How could he do this to me? How do you, how do you befriend that person again? How do y'all become close? How do you forgive someone who's betrayed you? Oh, yeah. How, what does that look like? Right. You you just go to sleep and, and stalk them on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you that's how you go to sleep at night you look at what they're doing is that and, how you and judge that's not how you like overcome it horrible yeah. yeah they look unhappy yeah right or you go look at all the exes or something like look at look at them look but yeah they no with now. but no literally somebody's looking that up like and and the thing is and it's funny because you even said like well i don't think i should i used to think that too right you know well maybe i have i gotta wait until i hit this certain pivotal moment in my life but no there's somebody right now that's like how can I, somebody knows how to stretch $20 with healthy food. How can I live a healthy life with $20 a week? I mean, I don't know if you can, but I feel like you, it shucks. If you want to learn how to plant some stuff, hello, or yeah. whatever. It's, we make stuff too complicated. Yeah. We make things way complicated when most people are just looking for a specific step, right? Well, a how do you... Step not go broke because like you, you know the shoot it was the simon and schuster and all those like like uh, you know i'll see like some of my comedian friends who get like book deals i don't know how they got the book deals they but make they, no money they they make no money most people that get these book deals first of all stop stop like do you know how Giving the music industry yeah you know like nowadays in the music industry where everybody's like you know i don't know if i want to be with the major label anymore the crazy thing the reason why a lot of uh publishing companies will sign someone is because they know they have a reach so that means when this person comes out with the book they're going to promote it and they're going to sell because they have a reach same thing goes nowadays even with the music industry why would they sign a cardi b because when she got signed she already had millions of followers like they knew it was going to win now in her situation yes she could still come off extremely wealthy but even if she was to do it independent she would have been able to keep way more money right so when you sign through a publishing company where people don't understand is that you literally are signing away the rights if you sign it in that way the rights of your book no matter if you sell it or they sell sell it, you still only get a small percentage of that, right? Most people are using Amazon, right? So most people, if they don't even get a book deal, they might use Amazon. I even tell people stop using Amazon. Amazon is not for the the business owner. It's for the consumer. Do I buy stuff on Amazon? Yes. But do I sell? Heck no. Because this same book that I have, if I sell it on Amazon, I might make four or $5 highway robbery. If I sell it on my own website and I Um, use a printing company to print them in bulk. And then I use like a drop shipper. I'll make about $15 Mm, per book that I sell. It's a big difference, right? So now that's one way of how you leverage it. But let's talk about books that have been able to really build major brands. Harry Potter, for example. What most authors never do is they never plan out like what's after the book. They do you know they just had a Harry Potter exhibit here in Georgia? Like what? A what? Yes, you pay money to come to the exhibit because Harry Potter is not a book; it's a movement. It's a brand, right? It's a it's, whole yeah. brand. You've it's like got Disney. The, the clubs, yeah. You got the uh, Harry Potter clubs. You go buy you some merch, wands, and stuff. When people go to watch the movies, right, which is another stream of income from that book, it all started with the book, though. So she turned a book and created multiple streams of 
of income. Yes, nice. yes. yes. So when people go to the movies, they now are wearing these. I mean, and people spend money on these wizard outfits. Okay. I mean, I know I love I I would never buy one of those outfits, but I love Harry Potter and I've gone yes. and I've seen people dressed to the T. Okay. Yeah. They spend uh-huh. money. To, it's weird to me to go into a movie where nobody sees you really like, okay. All right. But okay. Let's use another example. 50 shades of gray. Let's go. Let's go adult. That's right. Yeah. So 50 shades of gray became a movement. What do we see increase when that movie came out? Sex toys. Oh, yes. And women groups talking yeah, about these sex. women, women groups having discussions and conversation. You've got more relationship experts than anything. People have capitalized off of this book that, you know, is kind of explaining things in a way like of an extremely what you know, you got this people telling you about what do they call it? High men, high level men and high level women. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is created from just one idea. And so when you write the book, you got to think bigger than just writing a book that makes 15 bucks. In fact, my students, the number one thing that we do before we even start on the book is we think about, okay, what's next? So maybe you might want to get into the coaching space, right? Or what's next? Maybe you want to create a product line, right? What's next? Maybe you want to have a service, right? And so you always have to think bigger than just the launch of the book. And there's so many people that will invest into you to learn how to do something you know how to do. It's just, we got to start giving ourselves a little bit more credit and knowing that. And, and, and even, And again, even if it's not coaching, like I use the example of a a massage therapist because I love to get massages. Do you like to get massages, too? I hate giving massages, but I like to receive them. No, I mean, getting. Yeah. Oh, yes. No, I don't (laughs) know. They they say you're supposed to feel good if you give someone. I've never. I feel exhausted after giving someone. I guess I don't mind giving it to like my man. Like if he got a real nice body. I can look at it. (laughs) But you know, it's like, you got me over here getting, okay. Anyways, no. So think about it. Okay. So a massage therapist, what is their number, number one goal? When you, when you become a massage therapist, what is your goal? To get clients, right? And have them come back and have them keep coming and, and to generate maybe even a hot, hopefully maybe you want to generate a clientele of like, maybe like high level entrepreneurs or high level corporate folks, right? Where they're spending, cause I've spent a lot of money before to get like a good massage, like good with the aromatherapies. Maybe it has some meditation music. I know we were talking about Buddhist meditation, a little bit of meditation. I went, when I went to the Bahamas, this lady did certain, this some kind of massage. I don't even know, but she was like praying over certain parts of my body. I had never <laughs> had a massage like this. It was so good. Right. Now, let's say you create a special technique, a special type of massage that you do, and you want to be able to grow it. Now, why do most people get massages? They don't get massages just to get a massage. They get it because they maybe need to reduce stress. They get it because they need to get their blood flowing, right? So I now target high-level entrepreneurs, and I write a book about what? How to reduce your stress, not a book about massages. Who wants to read a book about massages? Nobody. So I write a book about overcoming stress. That's a funny book, though. It's funny, right? Like, Unless- I, I touched his neck. I rubbed it three times. <laughs> right. Like- yeah. <laughs> Of course, you, hilarious. Of course, book. you would make something funny. <laughs> I rolled yeah, his back. Like, I walked on his unless back. Unless it was like, yeah, like 
Mm-hmm. Who else is going to read that? Maybe somebody that's a massage therapist, I yes. guess. They might Someone read Someone who but, has a fetish for reading about y- massages. About yes. massages. I, I wonder if they have those communities. <laughs> so you write this book about overcoming stress, right? And now you talk about one of the chapters on this massages, but then you highlight a technique, a special massage where maybe this massage is $250. Okay. And so now what do you do? So now I start pitching this book about overcoming stress, not massages. I pitch it. I send it out to corporate, you know, top 500, what is it? 500, whatever it is. I'm not, a. I don't work in the corporate space. I work B2B. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you go to all these high level corporate companies, send them a copy of your book, say, Hey, I'm going to come in and do some five minute free massages and to come and talk to you guys about overcoming stress. You might even bring another specialist to come in and speak and you just do the massage. Maybe you don't want to talk in front of people. You just want a massage. And now guess what you do? You say, listen, I do these in home. They're $250 per massage. Somebody that makes 10, 20, 30,000 a month or whatever. They're not tripping off no 250. Yes, come, please come get, come give me this special technique massage. Mm. Now you're leveraging your book to build multiple streams of income. You're Mm. not leveraging your book to just sell the book. That's how you get out of the broke zone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, girl. That that makes so much sense. So, I mean, and you've also inspired me to get going on a book. I do want to ask you, because, you know, you're in the same space where I'm just so, I'm, I'm happy to see a lot of young individuals of color like yourself and like earn your leisure like those they're all talking about this and I see now like a community that's you know like you said it's it's available it's out there google you just have to google yeah and you'll find all of these individuals I've seen you listed with with all of the successful like motivational speakers and um so what is that like when because we have this one about culture con ceo imani have you ever gone to culture con no i've never heard of the culture it's con. creating space for black entrepreneurs and creating creators um ceo of culture con and the creative collective it's called the CCNYC. Imani Ellis likens the return of in-person CultureCon after the pandemic to a homecoming. Hmm. CultureCon is an innovative hub where people can find business partners, connections, inspiration, and more. She had the idea in 2016 and has now accrued a community of over 100,000 members. So you need to be there because you're great. As a black woman that climbed the corporate ladder, what Ellis wants everyone to take away is that the key is discipline. She has five tips for entrepreneurs. Spend time to find your purpose. Think about spaces where you thrive and where you can be in partnership. Set tangible and actionable goals. Be transparent and honest about how you operate and hire your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So do you want to speak to that or is there anything you want to add to that? I will say, um, oh man, all of that is so valid. The hiring your weaknesses is something that's taken me the longest to really grab, grasp onto. Um, only because, you know, I, again, this goes back to, and I love the name culture con. I pulled it up though. So I'd never heard of it, but I'm going to definitely plug in. Um, (laughs) we come from a community where we're taught things like if it is to be, it is up to me. Who created that quote? 
I don't even know. Look it up. We got we we need to figure out who with lack mentality created that quote because if it is to be, it is never just up to me, baby. <laughs> to build something big, it's up to us, right? Yes. If, that's if it right. is to be, it is up to we, right? Or yeah. you know where people say stuff like, "Don't tell people your dreams." Well, yeah. how the hell are you supposed to over like how are you supposed to have make it happen if you don't tell nobody? Like somebody, because if it if if your dream is no longer going to be a dream, but reality, and you've never done it. You, If you could do it, you would have already did it. It wouldn't be a dream. So you have to be able to have conversations with people that can help you to get that done, right? Dang. I mean, if I would have only been around the lady that teaches people how to get government contracts, I might've been a multi, multi-millionaire by now, right? But I didn't tell nobody because they always told me, keep stuff to yourself. If you want things done right, you got to do what? It's yourself. So these were all, these are all lack ideas that were created from our family, our culture. And so I think for me, one of the things that I had to grasp is yes, Taria, you do not have to be the end all be all. You don't have to have your hands on everything. You have to learn how to delegate. So uh, over the past couple of years, that's been one of my biggest, like we're now taking our business from that, you know, high six figures to being able to get to the millions. And I can't do it by myself. I can't do everything over delegating and, you know, over, I mean, overlooking everybody. And so I have to learn how to delegate. So if if I was to give you guys something is learn how to hire where your weaknesses are, because if you're always trying to be the strongest of the whole thing, man, what happens when you can't work? What happens when you don't feel good or you're sick or you got to take off? Now your business is at a halt. Um, so I'm going to interject here and say hiring is a challenge right now because of the, uh, I call it silent quitting. Oh, listen, yes. yeah, it's a generational the States, thing. These, you, these folk in the U.S. don't want, <laughs> they don't want to some international people. Honey. <laughs> I got a oh, look Four of my people are from the Philippines. Yes, I do have U.S. based um, employees as well. But four of my employees are in the Philippines. Interesting. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, yeah. granted, they got their own challenges, too. I don't know. It's uh, uh, Every other week, they talk about they had a typhoon. I'm like, typhoon? That, I thought typhoon meant, like, abolished, wiped out, gone. They were like, yeah, we just had a typhoon the other day. I'm like, you on the phone? So I don't know if they be <laughs> making that up. <laughs> no, they, yeah, they did. I remember that typhoon. I was like... They still have typhoons. In yes, they yes. they deal with a lot. But the, in the Philippines, I've had some of the I mean, my staff that's been with me from the Philippines, three of them have been working with me for well over what, two years now. I've just now gotten into this space where I'm giving them more responsibility. One of the things that I have learned, though, the difference between U.S. based and, and international, right? Um, like I try to empower them to be like entrepreneurs Honey, they like, no, nah, girl, you pay us enough. We ain't trying to do nothing else. Like one of my <laughs> one of my uh, staff members, she does like a lot of graphics works for us. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can you want me to pitch you to some of the other clients? She's like, no, no, Miss Taria, I'm good. I'm fine. I said, oh, OK, well, so, she, you know, they don't necessarily always want to be entrepreneurs, but you will find some extremely loyal uh, and committed people. And it's unfortunate. You're right. Like here in the U.S., 
I mean, my current assistants I have, I adore, you know, and I've had moment with one that I had, she knows she's listening, but she's very good. And, but I, in the past, and I don't know in the past two years, like even previous to the two years, the, the they were great. And then something happened mm-hmm. with the generational, like finding interns and, and what they expect is a lot more than what they actually do. And then like this quiet quitting that does happen. They stay around, but they're not really doing anything. They're not doing. And I'm like, that term came out. I was like, that is real. And I know that comes from the pandemic. You know, I do want to ask you about then as a black owner, do you feel the, you know, you're hiring in, in, in Taiwan, or, right. Philippines. Did I say Taiwan? Why did I say it? right. Taiwan? I don't know why I said Taiwan. <laughs> you want to go to Taiwan? The, ty- the typhoon. Okay. I, <laughs> I would love to go to Taiwan. <laughs> but too. do you feel this to hire other black employees is difficult? In order to be labeled a black owned business now, there's you have to have a certain number of black employees. And what's the challenge? And how do we fix that? Because I, I have... Um, I have a, a young woman of color that's working for me. She's doing an amazing job. But I have to be honest, I've had a difficult time just trying to, I would love to have more young women of color working for me. They don't, they're not, they're either, they're gone and making a lot of money and they don't want to work for me or. Well, you know, I don't think there's anything that we can necessarily do about that. I mean, I do have black employees. I have one, two, three, four, about five. So they actually make up the majority of my employees. Okay. I don't do uh, W-2 though. Everybody's a independent contractor, 1099. Yes. Um, so I have a, a great number of black people that work for me. What I think is important, and let me tell you some of the things that I do. So this might help some folks. First of all, I'm always thinking of ways to empower them, right? So Mike, every quarter we'll have calls where it's like, okay, how are you feeling about where you are? Where do you want to be? I want them to be heard. How do you, what are some of the things that you wish that you would love to be able to do that you see that we do that maybe you're not doing, right? And so I give them those opportunities and those spaces to kind of be able to to feel empowered. Um, We also do things that are a little bit different. So we meet uh, three times a week virtually because of course everybody is not in the U.S. and everybody's not in in the same state. Um, And so we read a a book every single, I won't even say every month, we just read a book. So it's once we're done with that book, we're reading another book on personal development. And so we're reading, we're actually reading this this time a book with Shonda Rhimes. I love that. Yeah, I wanted to get something that was a little bit like less, you know, just step one, step two, step three, and something that was more emotional based and would connect to you in a different way. So they are loving this this book with Shonda Rhimes. I, I can't remember. The, I have to tell you the exact name. I'll pull it up. Yes. Um, and so what we do is we review those. Uh, we review the books so that they're able to also um, reflect on things, you know, I think uh, reflect on development and growth, which you don't really find a lot um, in corporate spaces, I don't think. Um, and then the next thing that I will say is that everybody doesn't get like I had to learn this the hard way. So if I bring on an assistant, they're not another Taria. They're not another version of me. So that means like they know how to do everything. Mm-hmm. that's where you will mess yourself up. You have to unfortunately compartmentalize mm-hmm. your employees. So I have an assistant. I do have an executive assistant, but she kind of earned her way to this position. 
she does, she handles a lot of my billing, my scheduling, like anything that's personal for me, but she handles like the money too, like the billing clients. But then I have an assistant who searches for events for my clients. Then I have another assistant who does just the graphics. And so, because I pay attention to what they like to do. And then I empower them by giving them more value. And so where you will empower someone, where you help them to become better in a space and they can see themselves like, this is something that I can take ownership on. Yeah. I feel like, it, it increases the op, the opportunity of them sticking and staying with you and seeing yeah. the value and just being upfront with folks. Like, you know, like we start, we got to stop just making assumptions because I've done that too. I make assumptions that when somebody comes on board, they want to be here forever or that they come on board and they just, you know, some people will come on board because they secretly want to be a coach and they think that let me work for her and learn all the stuff. And I'm like, no, what what is your goal here? Like, do you want to become a coach? Okay, great. Well, I just ask that you're at least here for 12 months. And in the process, if you decide that you want to transition, which I'm all for it, like, I don't never tell someone like, no, I don't want you to ever be great or go do your own thing. Right. Yeah. But let me know so that we can make a proper transition. And so I think that has helped. I mean, I even like one of my, um, she was my executive assistant and I just felt like she wasn't as personable, but she's very good at follow, like doing like, specific tasks like she's very task oriented but like when it comes to talking on the phone or being kind of <laughs> you know what I'm saying with people uh -huh. like honey that was not her thing or like just being creative when it's like figuring something out it wasn't her thing but she will she will complete a task and so I you know we had a conversation about it and I said well where what do you like doing because mm. this ain't working because you about to get fired that's I said, right. what do you like yeah. doing and so that's okay. when she told me the stuff she likes to do and I said well what do you want to grow at and she told me what she wanted to grow at and so I didn't fire her she now is doing that and she loves it oh that's it. so good yeah because yeah. I'm always like I, I even f with my assistants and interns I always feel like it gets a little stale at a point where it's like how do I progress them so that they don't leave mm -hmm. and I have to start because starting all over which I've so had to do it, several it, times it's a work. headache I mean I go into a little bit of a funk I'm like, oh, no, I got to do this all over again uh -huh. with somebody new and then go over it again. And then and I keep saying, come on. I'm like, Jerry Maguire, you want to come with me? And that's not enough. That's right. just not. But you're right. Inspiring them, finding out what they really want to do. That is so key. Thank yeah. you for that. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask you this question about since you are still in Georgia and then we'll we'll get out because everything you said today trust me, it's going to help a lot of our listeners who are struggling coming out of this pandemic. You know, everyone's pivoting. That was the key word in 2020. Everyone <laughs> landed in 2021. And then they were still kind of pivoting. And I feel like in 2022, everyone's kind of stuck. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is really going to help people to have the specifics, I think, of how to do these things. Because sometimes you you hear about a goal and, you, and not until you experience it, do you really know the pitfalls? And mm -hmm. are, are there some specific pitfalls that you could point out before we go? Huh, specific pitfalls. I mean, it's just so, it's, it's, it, I don't even know if there's necessarily any specific ones that I could pinpoint outside of. I'm in a service-based business. So some of the pitfalls with service base is that everybody ain't going to love you. Um, everybody's not going to like it. So that's why even when I was explaining earlier with Shauna, like I have a clear 
understanding that when you work with me, you will start with this, which is nothing. And you will finish with this, which is a book and a game plan, right? Or if you join Book Profits Club, you will start with this and you will get here. So I've had to learn how to be very clear and what you're going to get. So I think if you're getting into business, you got to have a clear understanding of what that looks like, what that A to B. And if you notice, I keep saying A to B and not yeah. A to Z. That means I'm not trying to be the end all be all. I do not publish all kind of books. I don't do biographies and memoirs and cookbooks and journals. I have one <laughs> genre that I work in. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Cookbooks and journals. That's hilarious. Yeah. Cause I mean, I get all of that, but guess what? Because I realized that I would get that. Then I started building strategic partnerships. That's another pitfall. I think that's important. So where you're asking, like, do you know about this con, you know, about this speaker, you know, about believe it or not for five years, when I first got into the coaching space, I just was laser focused. I was not, I don't, I don't know who a lot of these people are, right? I don't know. Um, I just focused on, this is what I know how to do. This is what I want to teach. And honey, like this, I was like a horse, right? The, the blockers were on. I wasn't looking left, wasn't looking right. I wasn't paying attention to how this person was teaching, what they were talking about, the drama that goes in some of these circles. There's yes, a lot I've of drama. It. I don't do any of that. I was just focused on, this is what I want to help people to do. And how can I be the best? Now, yes, what I invested to different programs and stuff. Yeah, I did. Um, but I, I'm very careful about not getting caught up in the hype and caught up in the, the, the fame and the Instagram and all of that. Stuff. Honey, please, I ain't trying to do none of that. So and what was it? The ones where people were on the phone? I forgot that. Oh, the clubhouse, the clubhouse. Yes. yes. Now, I mean, I was doing a little clubhouse, too, but I'm just not I'm not, a you know, I'm not a big on the phone talker anyway. So to sit on clubhouse for four, five, six hours, <laughs> yes. bruh. I'm busy. I'd rather watch a movie and drink wine. Like I'm just not going to do it right now. Are there some people who've sat on the phone for that long and made tons of money doing it? Great. But I, can I say this would be the third pitfall. Make sure you do what you want to do. Make sure you're happy with where, with what makes you happy. I don't want to make a hundred. I don't, if, if making a hundred thousand dollars a month means that I must be on Instagram live three times a day. I need to be on clubhouse for four hours. I got to do a workshop every single day. I got to be able to be available for people to call me whenever they want. If that's what that means, I don't want it. I didn't get into business so that the business could own me. I didn't get into business so that I could drive a Ferrari. I didn't get into business so that I could Let's have say a Tesla because I have a stock. In Tesla. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> there are some people who do get into business to have a Ferrari. If oh, that's okay. why you got into business to have a Ferrari, make sure that's what you want. Does that make sense? Yes. And so I'm not downing anybody that wants to have the car, the clothes, because if that's what you want, then that's what you should have. But make sure that it's what you want. And so before I made that declaration for myself that I knew what I wanted, I was going after what people told me I should want. The car told me that I should want to have this, told me I should want to have these $2,500 shoes, knowing that I'd rather have a $2,500 camera. So don't get me wrong. I spent money, but you have to make sure that when you get into the space of entrepreneurship, you're doing it for the right reason and not for what other people are telling you should do it for. You know what I mean? Don't become a coach because you see other people telling you, oh, I make, I charge $50,000 a client. Well, do you know what that what comes with charging somebody $50,000 a client? It's a lot. 
that's that's a lot of that's people's livelihood there. You're taking on their energy too. I think what's also important for us as black people is to get in those rooms, um, to have money to put into these opportunities, into these politicians, um, so that you are better able to have more opportunities as far as decision wise. So yes, we should vote, but I also believe that it's our responsibility that when we start getting this money, we got to start investing that back into these communities, into these senators, into these governors, into these mayors that are talking what is talking the talk that we need for our communities, period. So you know what I mean? So that's been my thing. Like I'm so busy trying to get this money so I can say I got $10,000 on it. What are we doing? 20,000, you know, and I just went to, I performed in front of for a corp, you know, I do corporate events where I do jokes and, front of professionals and I went to a black venture capital I didn't even know what black venture capitalists do I was googling it on the train which is really sad I'm like how come I don't I'm googling this I'm investing and I'm learning about stocks and I'm like wait what is black ventures um this group everyone should look into I I did this event and I've never done a corporate where I was so proud Mm. of the individuals in the room they were so successful you know black venture capitalists who invest in us you know it's a very small percentage but we need to while we're out here saying what our disparity is and how much we don't have let's talk about what we do have state black venture check it out it's uh blckvc i see it dot org you Uh see it i'm on here right now go and get that money honey all right we're gonna get out i really really enjoyed having you today i i say it all the time but if you made it so easy oh my god you made it so easy thank you so much for joining us today and shauna who was here she really was like i'm i'm looking forward to it so tell our listeners where they can find you absolutely well this is the only way i tell people and so this is a training as well um i don't send people to anything else except one link and that's because a confused mind does nothing so when you tell people too many things guess what they do nothing so (laughs) 10kbook.com www.10kbook.com and when you go there it'll give you access to my free masterclass. but then of course you'll get all my other deets as well so um, I train authors future authors but specifically those who are speakers coaches network marketers Um, and yeah man I like to have great conversation as well so 10kbook.com that's the only place I'm sending you so if you want my Instagram go to 10kbook.com you want want my YouTube go to 10kbook.com I promise you I'll send you all of that stuff once you get access so with friends like us you can rest assured that you will always be told the truth nothing but the truth but the truth that will set you free to happiness yay yes (laughs) and Marina Franklin here just go to my website marinafranklin.com I cannot wait to be in Milwaukee now to give my speech thanks to you slay it darling slay it and with friends like us you can feel inspired on mental what's it mental health awareness day yeah what mental yes mental health day so awesome thank you Taria check Check us us out out.